Justin, you're so patient. Am I? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think I'm patient and then I find so many examples of my utter lack of patience in my life. <laughs> Remind me, to, did I ever tell you the jury, the jury duty story? That was the worst, the worst example of me not having any patience at all. Oh, like you were on an actual jury? Oh, yes. Oh. I was, I had jury duty and like my sort of, you know, my, my know-it-all quality you know what I mean? Which I, I have a little bit of. I'll be frank. I'm I, I'm racist. <laughs> what? You know? what? My I have no idea what you're quality. talking about, no. Justin. <laughs> My know-it-all quality no. was in fine form. Hello, and welcome to Murder Husbands, an episode-by-episode deep-dive appreciation of the Brian Fuller-created series, Hannibal, based on characters from the novels by Thomas Harris. We are Popsicle, a group of like-minded creators who enjoy getting together to have big conversations for big stories. I am your host today, Lisa K. Weber. I make art for books and comics and cartoons. With me, as always, are my Popsicle co-hosts. First up, The Punisher, Kelly Sue Milano. <laughs> Hi, Holy Kelly Sue. <laughs> <laughs> I am now Big Punisher. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Next up, haver of opinions, it's Justin Peniston. Hi, Justin. I think you're right. I think I do have opinions. (laughs) That's his opinion. Shit stirrer extraordinaire Claire Thorne. <laughs> yeah, I'm so proud of that. <laughs> yep. And the organizer behind it all, our beautiful producer, Philip Kelly. Hi, Philip. Hey there. I, I do quite like how my beard is looking today. It's so, yeah, quite nice. <laughs> Nicely done. Yeah, Nicely done. Very organized. Yes, very, very organized beard. <laughs> All right, before we dig into today's discussion, Justin and Kelly Sue will take us through a quick recap of this week's episode, Sakizuki. He makes his escape, the victim of the psycho embalmer, that is. As he runs for it, the killer spies him and they break into a foot chase. He comes to the edge of a cliff above the river and just as I would do, jumps to his death to avoid eternity in the silo. He may have died, but he becomes valuable evidence for the BAU team. Redemption. Adelio de Maurier visits Hannibal to break up with him, and a new layer of their mysterious relationship is revealed. Her utter terror. She's on to him in a way we haven't seen before. To deal with this, Lecter assists on the human mosaic case, piecing it together clunkily. He may be handsome as hell, but he is no Will Graham, and that is for sure. When Beverly offers an insight smarter than his, he gets real bitchy. We get it. You miss Will. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, Will Graham begins a plan of manipulation from within the asylum, set on proving his own innocence. Hannibal is able to put the clues of the Mosaic Killer together before the BAU team, arriving at the horror silo and helping this guy to carry out the rest of his tableau by adding him to it. That's not really how this is supposed to go, but okay. 
Jack tries to deal with his guilt over not protecting Will, primarily by being an asshole to everyone, especially Beverly Katz, and submits to mandated therapy after Alana Bloom's scathing report. To Jack's surprise, the counseling turns out to be beneficial. The BAU team independently arrives at the silo, finding a human tapestry of 47 bodies patched together, the killer planted right there in the center. Now, how could he have done that by himself? Thinking emoji. Awaiting his upcoming trial, Will is surprised by an unexpected visit from Bedelia Dumarier, who gives him cryptic insight into Hannibal, but more importantly, her belief in Will's theory. We end on Hannibal sneaking into Bedelia's home in his plastic murder suit, only to find that that bitch has skipped town. Sorry, <laughs> Hanny, your psycho killer slip is starting to show. Um, thank you for that beautiful recap. So entertaining. <clears throat> <laughs> so let's get in. I know we talked about um, some of some of the inside each other Hannibal and Will began doing in the last episode um, and how they are trading places. Um, Will has started to become like this manipulator the way Hannibal is like crying those crocodile tears for the benefit of Alana and Hannibal and Hannibal is becoming a profiler and a murder poet as well. Um, so how well do you think they're doing at filling each other's roles? And do you think either has what it takes to successfully embody his counterpart? Anyone? Justin? Well, um, I really love seeing Will become a manipulator, like seeing him begin to take on these aspects of Hannibal's personality. I, I mean, he's very clear in the previous episode that he is his inner voice is Hannibal's now. And, you know, I think watching him have that, you know, faux breakdown in, in the cage. And then when he's taken back to his cell, watching the, the tears fall away, um, it was very Hannibal-esque, but delivered in a very Will Graham sort of way, which I liked, you know. Um, Hannibal. I if he's ordered a little bracelet that says WWHD. <laughs> I hope he made one with the beads. I'm definitely yeah. making one you know, for myself in psycho um, craft class. <laughs> psycho yes. craft class. You know, for psychos. Um, Crafting with chil children. <laughs> and I, I enjoyed Hannibal bringing his own, uh, you know, MO to things as well, because no, he doesn't get into the killer's skin the way that Will does, but Will can't be sniffing people the way Hannibal does and determining, you know, and making connections, you know, like mm -hmm. Hannibal's sense of smell, which is such a funny thing from the books like gets used to such great effect here. Um, and I found myself thinking how, you know, Hannibal smells the corpse and then gets transported away and we're treated to a Will Graham style shot of Hannibal in a cornfield with the body. And I mean, how well do I think they're doing it filling each other's roles? I think they're doing a pretty good job. I think, and so much so that, you know, in a way, and not the way that Hannibal intended or expected, I think, 
they are coming together you know oh yeah so (laughs) do you think hannibal is on to will's um act i think that hannibal wants will to love him so desperately when will says to hannibal in the previous episode you know the light from friendship would not reach us for a million years that's how far away it is like Mm -hmm. hannibal's wound was real you know like that hurt his feelings and you know at the end of the previous episode hannibal sitting alone in his office looking at will's chair very sadly you know Mm. even though that's everyone's chair every patient's chair it's will's no it's will's (laughs) um and i think hannibal i think hannibal is maybe in in some ways for the first time falling victim to his emotions you know because i think I think that if he were able to see Will clearly unclouded by emotion, he would see what Will was up to, but he wants what Will is doing to be genuine. And so that is what he is seeing. That's what I think right now. Mm -hmm. I love Mm. this. Um, Oh, I love it. I love Hannibal and Will so much. Um, the one thing that I take away in this specific episode, as they're both trying to get into each other's heads without realizing they're already there, is just how much of a weenie Chilton is. <laughs> <laughs> I love Frederick Chilton so much. So great. But legitimately, when he sits down and he's talking to Will, the way that Chilton is written the way that he's portrayed by the amazing Raul Esparza. You're just like, dude, you're so far out of your league and you don't even know it. Like the way that they've created this kinetic relationship between Will and Hannibal, even when they're not together, they're not on screen, they're not sharing scenes, they're not in the same place. The relationship that's created between these two characters puts them so far above everyone else in the show in a way that I still can't wrap my head around. Mm. That they're and always present in each other's scenes, whether or not. Always. Yeah. Always. It's like Hannibal is always talking to Will. And Will is always ignoring Hannibal. <laughs> <laughs> in every scene. It's am- <laughs> like Will is constantly like... And Hannibal is always like mm-hmm. <laughs> that. You know, that there is a big change for me in experiencing this season from the previous. In the previous mm-hmm. season, I never thought of Alana as being out of her league. You know, mm-hmm. but now I do. Like mm-hmm. the fact that she is, has, you know, so fully swallowed Hannibal and Hannibal's bullshit. Yeah, I went there. Sorry. <laughs> Um, um is uh it's so clear um, it's it, it, it diminishes All right, handle her. it it diminishes her as a character to a certain degree not yep. i shouldn't say as a character she's still a great character but now i'm like oh girl they're playing chess and you're playing checkers you know yep and that 
you know, I, I mean, and she's far from the only character in the show playing checkers, that's for sure, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, particularly in that first scene when it's the three of them yeah. in that space together, it's like, Alana, who? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I think yeah. we've all been in that place where we doubled down on something we later find out is just tremendously stupid. You know, I don't Many think times. we, yeah, we feel that embarrassment um, of of knowing Alana is it, I, because I think we all absolutely believe that Alana is she's not a a weenie or is that what you call children? <laughs> yes, no. Alana is Alana, no, is, Alana not a weenie. is not a weenie. No, yeah, she's very she's very intelligent and very capable of of acting on that higher level. But you know, the, we all have our moments of. Mm-hmm. complete and utter blindness and failure and and the ability to double down <laughs> that moment is just <laughs> oh it's it's painful to watch it yeah yeah alana is as close as we get to well, well is she lawful good mm. oh geez neutral Why dare, how dare you uh, huh. neutral good huh she's not neutral good. she's <laughs> definitely lawful yeah the question lawful is, is she lawful good or lawful neutral yeah. Um, I think because... right now she's still lawful good. I think she's lawful yeah. good now. Yes. Yeah, I think you're right. Not... I think you're yeah. right. And I, I think, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't want to get too far ahead. Okay. Yeah. 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 No, um, we can really, we can enough. really get into that. Sorry. No, that was no. my bad. I shouldn't. And even on the no spoilers it. note, Philip, yeah. uh, what do you think about um, Hannibal and Will and how they're doing playing each other? In all um, the ways. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I just, Justin cleared me a little bit. Um, what I, what I will add to that though, is that I think this is something Will has to do. I, I think he understands that Hannibal wants to see him as the victim that needs his help. And, and so there's a, there's that element of uh, manipulation from Will that, that he has to do to survive, to get through this. Um, right. he's, he has to play that game that Hannibal wants him to play to make it through to the other side. Uh, so that's what I, I, I find very interesting. Like he's, he's not doing this in a way in which he, and you discussed this a little bit last time, Lisa, in which he doesn't have control. He has complete control of, over whether he's being like Hannibal or not being like Hannibal, choosing when to do and what to do. And I think right now, for the moment, he kind of has the upper hand on Hannibal in that regard. Um, he's letting Hannibal sort of, he's, he's biding his time while Hannibal sort of gets comfortable with this new sort of role that he's filling. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see where it's going to go. And I, I, I love the scene when they're around the body, uh, around the corpses and Hannibal doesn't know where to stand. And he sort of, he sort of, <laughs> he, sort of, he, sort of he sort of bobbles around the room and Jack is like over here. Cause I think that's, a, I think that's a real gen again, seeing Hannibal kind of giddy, like a kid, I think that's a genuine moment where Hannibal is just uh, like, oh, look what I'm doing. And, and he's kind of lost in the moment, which you don't see Hannibal do. He's always so mm-hmm. calculating um, that he's dropping some of that calculation. And I think that's that's going to be kind of a, a big mistake for him to do going forward here as he's letting his guard down. Um, a little reckless. It's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting because reckless. I read, yeah. I, I think I'm the outlier here because I read that scene in particular it, completely differently. Um, and I get that you, we can get either way because at the end of the day, who, which one of us ultimately knows when Hannibal is putting on a front, pretending, doing something or not. 
Um, But I read that scene entirely as Hannibal very deliberately putting on a, a, a front of, I'm out of place here. I don't quite know what I'm doing. I am not, you know, I am mm-hmm. not the savvy person. This isn't my though, world. Yeah. This yeah. isn't my world. I'm not will. I'm not figuring things out very well. And I think that's absolutely a a persona he's putting on while he's sure. in the FBI to keep everybody. I, I, um, I don't disagree yeah. with that. I don't, I don't necessarily disagree it, with that take. And I don't either. disagree with anybody else's viewpoint of it either. I, right. or yeah. the idea that I, I guess I just trend more towards thinking that Hannibal is more in control, at least in terms of he's not caught blindsided that what will this whole subterfuge between he and will, I think for Hannibal, he at least sees the possibility he sees all possibilities of how Will could act. He doesn't know which way he's going to go necessarily. And so it is this delicious cat and mouse game of that he knows that I know that he knows. <laughs> so I have know. a question. I have a question based on that. Mm-hmm. Do you think that this point Hannibal has some ideas or a plan for how to absolve will and get him out of prison i think he has it laying in wait i think that he is waiting to just as he was in the first season i think he understands that there are the most likely permutations of events right now are options a through j and he has he has a slightly modified plan for each. And in the meantime, he's just going to walk around being all like, hello, fellow (laughs) (laughs) non-murderers. Well, yeah, I, it's like everything you're saying, Claire, it's like, and, and Kelly Sue, I kind of had the same, um, I had the same question while watching this episode. Like, I wonder if, I wonder if he's got a plan at this point. Um, and, um, but yeah, and and Claire, like you were saying, the the it really is a chess game where it's like I'm aware of all the possibilities and I know how to win no matter what any of these pieces do. Um, well, so and, yeah, and I think I think what might be unique with Will is that he has all of these scenarios, and whereas you know in his normal operation he would always have the option that lets him win. Right. Mm -hmm. But with Will, I think maybe he just has mapped out what he will do in the event of Will doing certain things. And I don't know that all of those are wins for Hannibal necessarily. Like that might be the definition of love to Hannibal is I will, I will be ready for this. I'm not going to be surprised by it, but if a certain thing happens, I may not win, win. Yeah. And like Phil was like when Phil was talking about um, Hannibal kind of putting himself in a kind of dangerous position as far as like being a little reckless, um, being a little unsure of his footing. Um, It's like it's and that will having the upper hand, it's like because Hannibal is the one obsessed at this point. He's obsessed with will. And Will, as the obsessee, um, is, I mean, the obsessee can have an upper hand here. Um, speaking of obsession, let's talk about Jack. 
Beautiful segue. Um, <laughs> so Jack continues his track record of projecting his crusades onto others by putting Beverly into the Miriam last role. That scene of him being like, we never had this conversation and you're just going to do your job. Wink, wink. Um was was so Miriam Lassie so totally. um <laughs> how if do you see this Jack playing learn that lesson no <laughs> right he'll never Jeez. learn or will he um so how do you see this playing out for Jack and Beverly and obviously this is a Philip question yeah. um well with my with my previous uh discussions on Beverly it obviously it, it fitting that Miriam last sort of or echoing from that Miriam last sort of thing. It doesn't sit well with me as far as the uh, what's going to happen to Beverly. But as far as Jack's point of from this time, from Jack's point of view, all he thinks that's going to happen is she's going to go talk to Will. That's it. She's not going to go dig around murder scenes or, you know, go out into the field. Um, but then Will is the one who's like, keep digging around for me. So there's like this, once mm. you tap that first domino, we were seeing these other dominoes just sort of start to continue the fall um, when you ask someone to do. Yeah. So uh, I can understand maybe on Jack's side why he feels this might be a little different because what's all, what is all that she's doing? She's just talking to Will about the she's murders. Someone behind bars. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So what can he do? Yeah. How can that put her in danger? Except for that, you know, Will and Beverly share they kind of have a bond at this point that I don't think Jack is necessarily aware of. Uh, and that's going to get Beverly in trouble, I think. So. And well, also, I mean, to be fair, Jack didn't think that Miriam Lass was going to be investigating in dangerous places. She was just talking to witnesses or getting background information. Mm -hmm. You know, when she went to Hannibal, he wasn't even a witness, right. you know, he was someone to provide background information. She just ended up, it just turned out, that you know Hannibal was actually the killer right <laughs> right you know but but the echoes well, are it, strong it, which is you know no, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. off the yeah. board yeah, sure. investigation uh -oh. yeah yeah and, well and if he hasn't learned from Miriam laugh that that thinking that it's something that is just quick and innocent and not perilous that he can do again I mean, in this episode, we see immediately, and I think it's very interesting that Phil is talking about how, you know, he, he's thinking that she's just going to go talk to Will. Well, her just going to talk to Will results in Hannibal cluing in mm -hmm. to Beverly's intentions. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he absolutely discerns from that one little thing she said oh, my God. You know, while they're in conversation with Will that, that something is up there yes. right yeah well, i'm also sitting here being like um what does it say about you obsessed right. i know you have an original thought you yeah. fucker yeah yeah <laughs> well you were absolutely right in your description of that moment kelly sue he was like he was a pit he was a bitch <laughs> he got so bitchy about it i know oh it's almost like will graham's in the room <laughs> <laughs> Also, like, who asked you? No one. <laughs> also, can I just say this Wait, whole like wink wink approach to the FBI? Get out of here. Was Hannibal's bitchy moment in the first episode or the second episode? It was in this one. It's in this episode. Yeah. Oh. This was the episode where Beverly brought the information that Will gave her 
about yeah. the palette to them. Yeah. Uh, okay. To them. Okay. Because yeah. she got the information yeah. the previous. Yeah. Season, yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, there's and there's yes. that scene, but there's the scene where she and Hannibal are talking. They bring the photo of the 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 muralist, you know, the silo scene mm -hmm. to Will, and she makes a comment or will makes a comment about oh no she makes a comment about hey we we don't mean to bother you but you know i and i am absolutely you know doing the other things that i need to do and then hannibal looks at her very pointedly like well oh, yeah what other what what other what else she's doing? being so yeah winky winky with will about that and hannibal immediately clues into it that's the moment that i'm talking about in terms of of you know, the very first thing that happens is that she's in peril because Hannibal knows. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, she's on his radar. She's just like Alana in that she thinks she's a player, but she's actually a piece on the board, you know? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Oof. Yep. All right. Okay. With all that, let's take a quick break. Oof. <laughs> There's some messages and we'll be right back. Welcome back. Um, let's dive into what's going on with Bedelia, y'all. I don't even have like a framework of a question here. Let's just talk all about Bedelia. <laughs> in this episode oh Go. i love that this is when she actually <laughs> is here now <laughs> yes totally she's officially here now she's arrived yeah 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 I, the I scene the in hannibal's <laughs> <laughs> the scene in hannibal's office where the camera just cuts to her feet hannibal's feet and her feet and then hannibal's feet and her feet they're as she's walking toward her was so Hitchcock. It Hitchcockian? Hitch Hitchcockian. It was oh mm, so good. And also very Hitchcockian was the fact that it was sexy as hell. I was oh, like, yeah. good yeah. lord. I just really love what Bedelia brings out in Hannibal over the course of these mm. two episodes. I mean, it's one story, you know, these two yeah. episodes, their interactions. Hannibal gets progressively more threatening. Mm. You know, right up to the end of this episode, when he freaking clearly shows up to kill her dead. You know, mm -hmm. yep. um, like just you know, the FBI doesn't know what you're capable of. Neither do you. You know, and like mm -hmm. like the implicit threat grows and grows and grows. That scene in the office is terrifying. Like, yeah, like. This urbane, you know, because we, we're all sort of seduced by her, how urbane and stylish and mm -hmm. just perfectly executed Hannibal Lecter is. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, I was like, I keep forgetting he's horrible. You know, like, <laughs> you, know, you know, like he was, you know, like he scared me, you know, in a way like, you mm -hmm. know, I was scared for Bedelia. You know, and I know what happens, you know. <laughs> like, well, yeah, I mean, it's always and that's always like. Yeah, when when Hannibal gets real threatening like that, it's 
it's different when he was threatening with say um um abigail abigail i was like casey mm-hmm. roll you know <laughs> <laughs> because it's like he was threatening but in this very like in his 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 kind of weird loving and kind way mm-hmm. whereas i felt like with this scene in his office with bedelia there wasn't love there um there was a certain amount of respect and um and that but it so it felt and still feels like oh this is this is going to be gnarly you know and, and i think there's also a sense of you know when hannibal was was intimidating abigail or you know you know when his true nature's coming out with abigail at least for me as a viewer there's a sort of a sense of abigail kind of deserves this you know what i mean like abigail mm-hmm. isn't exactly innocent and their conversations at least suggest that Bedelia is just awakening to how horrible Hannibal is. Mm-hmm. And that whatever happened in their past, she was swept along by events more than a participant in the way that Abigail was, you know? Mm-hmm. And so Bedelia seems far more the victim than Abigail did to me, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. And yet in, in a very compelling way, like she doesn't lack agency. You know what I mean? Being a victim has not taken away her agency, if only because she gets the fuck out at the end of the episode. And I found and, it interesting that she broke up with him in person. Yeah. That and, and, she like went to his office in yeah. person, knowing that she's scared of him, knowing her suspicions of him being a dangerous man. Um, she well, still ghosting went. him. Ghosting him would be rude. Exactly. That's what I thought. That's yeah. what I wrote that in my notes. I was like, she wasn't rude. But she also she tags him twice on the way out because she's like, mm-hmm. I'm gonna go to Jack and let him know that I'm quitting, which mm-hmm. has got to raise Jack's suspicions a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna go to Will and say, Will, I believe you. Mm-hmm. Which, if nothing else, puts some iron in Will's spine. You know what I mean? Like there's nothing, nothing more empowering than feeling like you're not alone. Her, yeah, her, the her, scene with Will. Yo, sorry, go on. Oh, no, no, just that line that she has to him about uh, people that have experienced trauma, you'll live through it kind of thing was uh, obviously much better written than my uh, uh, half-assed quote. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that that whole that whole scene was. Uh, I mean, we're talking about film noir. It was her walking up to the bars, leaning in very nice, like the the slow opening of the mouth. Like that was that was that's film noir. I mean, we're watching a film noir like right now, and it's, especially as as people are yelling, "Stay away from the bars!" Oh yeah, step away from the. Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Oh like, yeah. That whole uh, that whole scene was uh, beautiful, and, and and to see Will's reaction that oh my god, somebody believes me, somebody else knows kind of what Hannibal is. Uh, yeah, that was that was a really lovely scene. Um, yeah, I think and, I've always described more of a understanding on Billy's part. I, I still think much earlier, I still think that she understands and knows what Hannibal has been doing much earlier than just this point. I think what is key to Bedelia is that she is both scared of and obsessed with that danger and is represented by Hannibal. 
Um, and I think partly that's because she, her persona, her, her character is presented to us, you know, out of all of the characters in the show, if there's anyone who is as well put together and meticulous and in control of at least their physical appearance as Hannibal, it's Bedelia. Like even when he shows up unexpected, unexpectedly for dinner one night, you know, she's not sitting at her house in a, in a, you know, yoga pantsuit, whatever, um, <laughs> in yoga pants. It, she is always- A yoga pantsuit though. I like that. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. But I've, there were competing images in my mind at that moment. So sorry. Uh, I'm seeing Hillary Clinton lounging around now. <laughs> so I, I, I feel that there are more complex motivations to Bedelia leaving in this moment than um, j- just simple, oh, I've realized something and I'm in danger, I'm going to go. Yeah, I don't um, think she wants to be put I, I, under the scrutiny again of the FBI. I, I think he, right. he's putting there, her in an awkward place again to lie for him and everything. I think it's more, and, more and in the that- center than she wants to be. Well, right. And I, I think, think her self-preservation is more tied to that than it is in keeping herself away from Hannibal. I, I don't think she misunderstands the danger she's in with Hannibal at all. I, but I also think at the same time, she can't let go of that. She she is obsessed with it. Um, I, or, or, else she would have, or else she would have left a long time ago. Right. Like, why is she leaving uh, now? Well, I think out, out of. Yeah. Justin, what's, what's your, what's your argument? Well, the thing is because I've always had the sense that Hannibal is in a certain way, keeping her captive. I've always had the sense that she felt trapped. Like, you know, I feel like so what's different leaves, now. Why, why can she leave success? Why does she feel that she can leave now, get out of that trap now, as opposed to in well, time. I think that leaving your life, which is basically what she's doing, that's a drastic thing. You know, like mm-hmm. no one wants to leave their lives, you know? And I think when I say she was held captive, I don't think, I think that she knew that Hannibal is capable of killing someone and lying about it. I don't think she knew that he was doing it all the time. I don't think she knew that he did it. I think she thought, look, he he saved my life by killing someone and now we're covering it up yeah i think and that I, makes hannibal yeah. that makes hannibal dangerous I, but not evil i think i think, I, it, think I think i think we have to have this conversation further down the road because partly sure. what is 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 guiding my thoughts about bedelia are things that we understand later on in the series and i will well, so I, will, then well I can't i can't i can't say. argue so, against Philip, that what do you have to say right now <laughs> I can't, I'm sorry. <laughs> no that's okay i can't argue in something against i haven't seen yet um but I, I will say i do draw a big parallel between how hannibal treated abigail hobbs and how he got her to trust him by saying there's no way out of this you had to kill you know to how he's treated bedelia and how I, I see that as the exact same sort of manipulation that occurred with Abigail. Oh, you're in this tough situation. I did this thing for you. I'm protecting you. Now you have to lie for me and protect me in return. And then it'll be simpatico. You know, you'll, you know, I, that's how I see it anyway at this point. And, and, and just like with Abigail, I think as Bedelia observes Hannibal's machinations with Will, mm-hmm. it's dawning on her that, holy shit. Hannibal's way worse than I thought. Yeah. 
because Abigail I, didn't know that Hannibal was a serial killer. She yeah. had some suspicions, right? You know, and maybe Bedelia has some suspicions. I think her suspicions grow as as she's been on the show, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think Bedelia saw an opportunity in Hannibal's obsession with Will. Yeah, and now Will is Will makes Hannibal vulnerable in a way he hasn't been before. And she's like, this is my shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I, he's I can too distracted. That. Absolutely. Will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And now I can really sure. slip away and he won't, I won't be the obsession because yeah. he has one already. Mm-hmm. All right. I Ooh, will say this. <laughs> the fact that she left that bottle of perfume out. Yes. That is not, that's not the move of a person, of a fearful person. That's a taunt. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? That's a, I know we're not going to be apart forever. I expect to be back in your circle of influence at some point. It, I don't think she, I don't think she sees I don't think she has a life, Justin, number one. The difficulty of leaving her life, I don't think is difficult at all. What life does Bedelia have? She has no career. She has no discernible friends or family that we know of. I, I think she got a nice world, house. She got a nice collection of wine. Like, she, I, would, I mean, but I nice think, house and nice I think wines. That whole, I, think her entire, <laughs> I think her entire emotional world is taken up with Hannibal. I, I, you know? I, I can't speak to it. I think that's yeah, the only I feel like the perfume, the perfume, think- <laughs> knowing Hannibal's sense of smell, it's almost like an invitation, which just adds yeah. so yeah. much interest yeah. to what the hell is Bedelia. I've watched this entire show. This is now my third mm-hmm. time watching this entire show. And I still yes. don't fucking know what the deal is with Bedelia. <laughs> she left that perfume because she knew he was coming to her house yeah. and she it's wanted like, to have a big old yeah like a big waiting. fuck you yeah it's yeah. a fuck you it is like that, that's I knew what you I thought were coming too. here yeah that's what I yeah. thought like I've got you I this know you it, it's like everything she does I feel like everything she does is open to so much interpretation yeah that that's why yes. after all this time I still don't know what her deal is yeah I definitely mm-hmm. see things differently than Claire I am not saying Claire is wrong yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. And, exactly. And and yeah, I absolutely a thousand percent agree with that. Absolutely. That what the fuck is she up to? And Jillian Anderson, good lord. Jillian Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> he is just she's uh she's got a street that I don't have words for it. She's in a streetcar yeah. named Desire right now. Um on, oh, which you can oh stream online God. as uh Blanche. So there are yeah, she no. hatched. She's not from here. <laughs> No. Yeah. No. She's yeah. she's mm-hmm. something else entirely. Yeah. There's no one on this show who's not giving a good performance. There are some people who really stand out. You know, Hannibal and Will, you know, Mads yeah. and and Hugh are, are constantly amazing. Yeah. Jack has these beautiful moments, you know, Lawrence mm-hmm. Fishburne. And I mean, Lawrence. like I think that Jillian Anderson is the one actor who's not a series regular who's punching with the big dogs whenever she's on screen you know what i mean oh yeah for sure for sure oh man always thanks jillian thanks bedelia thanks thank you jillian (laughs) all right it is time for exquisite corpse philip or no claire 
It's, it's your me. turn. Don't fill Take it me. away. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Well, we, we have truly, I think, and I don't know if we'll all agree, but I think this is one of the most exquisite, exquisite corpses of the entire series. I mean, it's just one of the rare moments where we get a, a crime scene like this, that is given really a two episode arc, you know, for us to interact with it. It, just everything about it is so much more even. And how can we get more? I mean, even after the totem pole, how is it that this show to <laughs> give us more? It just kills me. And it's me not every done time. yet. The, <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot we can dissect from this particular um, crime scene in terms of how what it's saying about the themes of the show and the characters. There's the whole concept of this this killer, the muralist, wanting God to see him is just fascinating. Uh, we can't do all of it, obviously, in this episode. What was really interesting to me, though, is um, Hannibal is at the crime scene standing in the silo with Jack and telling Jack about how in the early, you know, in the early 1900s, 1800s, 1900s, people really did think that a dying person's, the last thing that they saw would be physically imprinted on the retina of their eye. And it's such a fascinating um, concept because that, that really is true. There really were, you know, that was a, there was a attempt at science around capturing what was on people's retinas um, in the late 1800s, early 1900s. Um, and in doing a little bit more reading about it, I came across a guy named Wilhelm Kuhn, who is a professor of physiology, and he got fairly obsessed, you know, and it's no, no uh, wonder that this um, idea came about at the same time that photography was being developed, obviously. And it, there, the, the obvious parallel there is, as we started to understand how images were captured um, in the process of photography, we just simply said, well, you know, the eye does that for us. Um, Anyway, Kuhn, and I'm going to read this just because it's as horrible as a, a Hannibal episode in some ways, so strap in. Um, one of Kuhn's early, and they called them optograms, which was the process of trying to get this picture from the retina, was made as follows. An albino rabbit was fastened with its head facing a barred window. In this position, the rabbit could only see a gray and clouded sky. I'm sorry, Kelly Stu, I'm apologizing for doing this to you. The animal's head was covered for several minutes with a cloth to adapt its eyes to the dark um, and let, there was a particular chemical that would accumulate then on, in the eye. Then the animal was exposed for three minutes to the light. It was immediately decapitated, its eye removed and cut open along the equator and the rear half of the eyeball containing the retina laid in a solution of alum for fixation, just like a photograph. <laughs> the next day, Kuhn saw printed upon the retina in bleached and unaltered rhodopsin, which is this chemical, a picture of the window with the clear pattern of its bars. That's the extent of it. I mean, we can't actually, you know, 
do this, but you know, we, we, we really tried. <laughs> we really, really tried. Wow. It is the stuff of great science fiction as well. It appears yeah. in episodes of fringe, um, and quite a few other things. Um, I don't know if I draw very many conclusions about it, but I'm, I'm interested in your thoughts about this fascination with the last image that we see before we die. Um, I mean, it's, it's fascinating stuff. I mean, I, yeah, I, my memory of like the, my first like kind of interaction or memory of like this concept of like, oh, let's see what the last thing this person saw was, was that terrible movie, Wild Wild West. <laughs> oh my God. Will oh my Smith God. And Kenneth. Yes. <laughs> And Kevin Klein, it was terrible, terrible movie, the worst, mm -hmm. but there's this early scene in the movie where it's like, they set up this light, like inside someone, some dead person's head to like project out of their eyes, out of their, eyes. like a movie projector. Yes. <laughs> it was fucking disgusting. Oh my God. <laughs> Well, I mean, the real and attack terrible, on the senses was, of course, Kenneth Branagh as the steampunk <laughs> spider. Oh my oh God. My Sorry, God. not to derail, <laughs> but I'm like, I, totally I can't, it's like, it, I, I can't, I couldn't unsee it. Unfortunately, I couldn't unsee it. So, um, but so it's like, I'm interrupted by this terrible movie. Every time I think about this concept of like this vital image being imprinted on someone's eyes, which is a really interesting concept. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it's like the logistics of it are just so gross that I'm like, I don't know. It's mm -hmm. one of those, like, do we need to see it? <laughs> does it need, does that last image need to be beheld by anyone but the person who experienced it, um, I don't know the way it that, also, yeah, it also makes me think to that point, Lisa, like with all of these things, dealing with them and as they, in regards to storytelling, right? Like what's the, I'm always asking myself, what's the greater why of something, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. like what's yeah. the big picture, pullback perspective, why of this mm -hmm. and I'm like that's very interesting <laughs> I feel sorry for the rabbit I <laughs> guess I feel good for this doctor that he was like I was right but also like what's the greater why of being able to see the last thing that someone saw before they right. died and if they if you can do that why is this not utilized more when dead bodies well, are found, do you know? The, the idea at the time was very much that people thought, oh, well, you know, somebody who's been horrifically murdered, we can solve the crime by looking and seeing what they saw, you know, their final sure. thing that they saw. Um, Ryan and Fuller Kuhn made a did, whole show about this idea. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Kuhn, Kuhn did um, attempt to do this with a human. Um, it, he, he collected the head of a man who was executed for murder um, by mm. guillotine. He was yeah. decapitated and he collected this man's head and attempted to do the same thing and, and reportedly got like a shape, but it's, it's not an image that's discernible of sure. anything in particular in any way. Um, 
I, what I think about in with the muralist, I go back to the gentleman in the first season who was, you know, making angels out of Mm. everyone and seemed to clearly have this idea that he needed to do something very specific in order to be transported to heaven or be worthy. And the idea that maybe the muralist has this idea that, um, he needs to have a particular image imprinted on his retina the time of his death in order to, but that would suppose that he always intended to be part of the mural. And I don't know that that's the case either. So I saw it more as like he, he, I mean, the way that, the way it was talked about in the show that it was like, it was an eye for seeing God, for looking at God, for seeing the truth. Cause that's what, you know, the eye is supposed to do is supposed to see all things, supposed to see truth. And mm-hmm. art is also supposed to communicate truth. That's the purpose. Well, of God art. is always depicted so as it, God is always depicted, at least in the Bible, as being unseeable in his, his mm-hmm. true form. It, it's right. unless it alters himself in some way. And so the idea that this guy thinks that, okay, well, creating this thing is the way to make it okay for me to see God in his true form, maybe? I don't know. Well, he didn't well, see There's him. a lot. Like I said, there's a well, lot. Well, I feel he like he, 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 he didn't see him. So. Yeah. I mean, he, he straight up says, mm-hmm. you know, there is no God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, to him. Right. Like, think, yeah. Not with know? that attitude. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that, that line. I love it's that. so good. It was, it was so, so great. Good. So fucking good. Um, and, you know, I think that was <laughs> Hannibal's in to convincing him to be in the mural. You know, I think. I don't think yeah. he ever intended to join yeah. the mural. I don't think that. I mean, obviously, it's just right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I think, I think he had grown to see his efforts as a failure. You know, that's mm-hmm. how it sounds anyway. Mm-hmm. And you know, maybe he's saying there wasn't a god because he had attempted this over and over and over again, and yeah. it didn't succeed. So that was his conclusion that there is no god because God has never come and. Like I've never, I haven't seen God as a result of. I think that it's actually even more esoteric than that, which is like, in order to see something, it has to be separate from you. And if we're going by the many, you know, sort of singular principles of any scripture, it's that we are God, we're created in God's image. So this continual trying to see God and failing is actually you failing to see your true self, which is why you're a fucking murderer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Hey. yep. Very good. Well, in any case, you all have a nice new party trick, um, which is the knowledge of optography, which is what uh, this process is of, <laughs> you know, uh, exposing the retina to light and then chopping something's head off so that you can develop it. Like just in time for Thanksgiving. Yeah. You're well, thank you. Thank you, Claire, for Beautiful. that exquisite corpse dive. Um, all right. On to our recommendation. If you liked Sakizuki, what else might you like? Philip, answer that for the people. Yeah, well, I'm going to point uh, our listeners to some film noir. Uh, I think if you've never touched on film noir, there's some good places to start, like the Maltese Falcon um, is prime film noir, uh, John Huston directing. Um, I think one that's not seen quite so often is The Naked City, 
um, which is a remarkable film as well with an incredible sense of the city itself and creating that sort of feel of, of being in a place and time and that chase sequence at the end is amazing and then um, if you want to go to some Japanese film noir Kurosawa uh, Stray Dog is pretty remarkable so I think uh, those are some good places to start uh, and yeah. obviously there's tons of like thousands of film maybe not thousands uh, but there's tons of film noir that you could watch you could start with all pretty amazing and there's all sorts yeah. of permutations on great yeah. on noir I mean, mm-hmm. I think the flight attendant on HBO Max was noir. I think, sure. Uh, oh know. yeah, yeah. We yeah. talked about it last episode. Could of course, Blade rewatch Runner. Chinatown, which was the Chinatown. very first color film noir. Mm-hmm. What was it? I didn't know. Mm-hmm. I didn't it was know that. The first, it was color. The first color, oh. but uh, yeah. Cool. Very. I mean, yeah. It's an entire genre. Yeah. Dive in, everybody. It's yeah. fucking gorgeous. Actually, Let's start with actually, the things Philip said. Le, Le Samurai <laughs> came out before Chinatown, I think. And that's considered the oh, first neo film noir. Then that is the first color film noir. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 do, I dove into that recently. Maybe Chinatown too. is the first American color film noir. There it is. Maybe. Maybe. Here we go. Yep. Anyway, <laughs> they're all good. Check them out. Yes. Well, they're not all good, but they're mostly good. Check them out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And with that, we have reached the end of another episode of Murder Husbands. Join us next week as we discuss season two, episode three of Hannibal. Um, We have another ongoing show called That Episode Was. We just finished talking about season one of Why the Last Man. Check that out. Um, Next up, we will be discussing the final season of The Expanse starting in December. So stay tuned for that. You can always help us at Popsicle Out by subscribing, sharing, and leaving a nice comment. Um, You can follow us at Popsicle Pod on all the social medias or sign up for our newsletter at popsicle.com for all of the upcoming and ongoing podcasts and related info. That is Popsicle Pod, P-O-P-S-K-L-P-O-D. Until next time, happy hunting. quality was in fine form Mm. because to this day i'm convinced that me with my high school debate slash law and order education would have mopped the floor with either of the lawyers presenting in that trial that i was (laughs) on like they those two guys were they they could not have been they seemed so incompetent it was infuriating Mm. um right up to having pictures for us to look at that they put up upside down and didn't notice for like 10 minutes until I <laughs> until I practically screamed out what are we looking at you, oh, you know oh, oh my god oh wow oh I got it's not an exaggeration I was admonished by the judge twice <laughs> you know the, the words the words contempt of court were used oh wow me. that's not, amazing I, I didn't actually I wasn't actually found in contempt but I was told that I was getting too close to contempt because... I'm out of order. You're, You're out, out, of order. Order. out of order. This whole court is out of order. <laughs> well, you know, jurors aren't allowed to Love speak. I hold myself in contempt. <laughs> <laughs> jurors aren't allowed to speak, and I spoke several times. You know, and I would when when I realized.